to the last chapter? Yep. Tactical and strategic. Last chapter of Settlers. Here we go. Here we go. We did it. Our white surprise with new settlers. Yeah, I don't. I never ran into the, to their white no, surprise. No, is it? I I told you, it's like beam me up, Scotty. It's not actually in there. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. I get to the last chapter and I'm looking. I'm like, come on, say it. Say the line. Say the line. I read it. Ex- I, I think I read this book extra close. Not only because we're podcasting about it, but yeah. I wanted to find that line. Where is I it? I know. It's such a great line. Did we both miss it? I feel like maybe it's in something else, uh, like uh, when race burns class or something. I don't know. Well, it's not in there, folks. Or an extended version of Settlers, Settlers 2, Return of the Garrison. <laughs> Which is a shame because that that's a, such a fun line. I know. It is a great line. Um, what This last chapter, he's summing everything up. He's given his amateur and amateurish historical examples. Um I must say, as we close this thing out, mad respect to Jay Sakai. I think I fundamentally disagree with him on his major thesis, and I feel like this book has a lot of shortcomings, and I think that it's interesting, if not a little bit sad, how important it's become over the last several years. But I must say, Jay Sakai, as like a true proletarian, organic intellectual, incredible stuff. Like I would take 50 like machinist guys writing like going to the library after work and trying to relate their like actual experience at the point of production and understanding the social and cultural dynamics happening in their workplace and their working class communities i'd take 50 of those over like one ta-nehisi coats or certainly like even maybe one like noam chomsky <laughs> you know this oh, guy's yeah. like yeah it's, it's great it's an and thing. Um, also I, i've read some of the black nationalists that you know he's in the tradition of Cruz is one of them, and those are largely black communists who became disillusioned through their experience. Marxists, especially white Marxists, want to simply say, oh, they're wrong because they're nationalists, and haven't you read Marx? But it's just the same thing with what I was saying about feminism earlier and how, like, black women were not enticed by the arguments of feminism, uh, despite, in many cases, their best efforts— the rejection of black and brown people of the white-led left and white-led trade unions has more to do with how that Sakai talks about than just like, oh, they don't get it. They don't understand that class is the real thing. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is the new left critiquing itself, right, in 1987. Yeah. Sakai being a boomer, Sakai being a new leftist, mm-hmm. Sakai living through as so many millions of other militants did uh, the real high point in the cycle of struggles from, say, like the mid early 1960s all the way through uh, the mid 70s, where a lot of the tactical and strategic aims that he talks about in this final chapter, a lot of the geopolitical events, like um, having like a worldwide national liberal national liberation um, decolonization movement, um, having struggles like the apartheid struggle being uh, obviously up there. It's uh, China before the Dungus turn, before Tiananmen Square, and of course the Soviet Union existing. He's writing all these things in a very particular historical moment. So when we when we get to this last chapter, this is, I think, our time to start thinking not just like 
abstractly what is it that he's arguing for. He's arguing for segregated unions, which I just can't support for principles and also like strategic reasons, right? But like we have to understand what were the burning questions at this moment? What were the specific historical conditions? What had the Sakai's of their generation lived through up until this point? And in with the lack of the historic mission of the left, which the new left bumbles completely, which is the merger or the remerger of the socialist movement and the working class movement, with that failing by the 1980s, by the 1980s, of course, being a time of great reaction and uh, counter-revolution across the world, it's not surprising that Sakai comes to the conclusions that he does. Uh, I find them personally pretty odious, and I don't think that he proves by the end of this book that uh, race trumps class uh, entirely in the United States or that segregated unions are, are the way to go. We should understand, of course, like this specific moment in time and why he would argue this. Even five or ten years later, I feel like a lot of the things that he proposes and argues are kind of already anachronistic. Hey folks, Sean KB here. Uh, just a reminder that our show relies on your support. So if you enjoy what we do and you want to hear more excellent bonus content, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash theantifada. It's cheap, there's a ton of content, and it would mean everything to us. So thank you, and we'll see you behind the paywall. Folks, Sean from the Antifada here announcing a special promotion. This year in 2024, sign up for the Antifada at an annual level of $10 and receive a free copy of the Vortex Group's book on the George Floyd Uprising. Andy will send that right to your door. For on the $5 level for an annual subscription, we'll send you something really nice like a postcard or something like that. We're trying to build the show in this new year, and we appreciate your support as always. Thank you so much, and we'll see you on the other side.